Well, have you ever noticed how some people can just see things when other people can't? I can think of a lot of examples of this, but what about stars or constellations? You might walk out at night and say, uh, it's pretty night. (laughs) The stars look nice tonight. But if you walked out with an astronomer, they might say, wow, would you look at that incredible configuration of stars? Would you look how this constellation is just sitting in the sky just like this? And did you know it only does that once every so-and-so years? And I'd be like, no, I didn't know all that. I just, I thought it was pretty tonight. Or maybe you're like me in high school. I remember being baffled by poems. My teacher was a very gifted English teacher and she'd get kind of irritated at me because I'd read a poem and I'd say, well, Miss Darden, that was nice. She would say, nice, Robbie, Nice. Didn't you see the imagery? Didn't you see how the how the the poet just meant this and how he used words to say this? And I was like, no, Miss Darden, I didn't see all that. I just thought it sounded okay. (laughs) Why are some people better at seeing things than other people? Well, maybe it's because it's more important to them or, or maybe they've had experience in that area or maybe they've received some training that you haven't. But for whatever reason, they can look at something and they can see things that the average person, we would say, has not had their eyes trained to see like that person. Well, I'm hoping that as you're coming to New Hope that you're finding out maybe for the first time in your life that God has a plan for your life. He has a purpose that He created you especially for. And I'm hoping that as you're learning that, that you're learning to trust Him because that's really where it all starts. The, the walk with God is really a walk with faith. And it starts with putting our trust in Him and saying, Jesus, I need you to come into my life. I believe in you. I want you to come into my heart to, to give me your gift of salvation, to wash my sins away, to start a relationship with me. But it continues beyond that because many of you have taken that step. And now that you're getting your walk started with Him, many of you aren't sure maybe, well, where do I go from here? You're not sure what God working in and through your life would look like. Well, that's one of the primary reasons we're studying about spiritual gifts. We're learning that when we come to Christ, He gives us special abilities that enable us to be a part of His plan. And right now, you may feel like me in 11th grade English. You might be saying, well, uh, everybody else around here seems to kind of get it, but uh, not me. I don't see all that. Maybe you don't even know where to start. My hope is that God's going to change that a little bit as we learn from God's Word some of the things that God does in a person's life. Doesn't it help to just know? And so as we study God's Word and as we identify how God would work in somebody's life, maybe more and more your eye is going to be trained. You're going to be able to recognize, oh, that's God? Oh, that's what God would do? Okay. And then you're going to be able to move forward in your walk with Him. Well, that's our hope as we study spiritual gifts. Last time, we started by by breaking them really into three categories. We started by breaking them into speaking gifts, and then we're going to talk about today serving gifts, and then next time we're going to talk about sign gifts. And so we want to talk about today that God gives His children serving gifts. Now, we're not going to read all the passages again this time. I'll just reference them for you, and you can write them down and go back and look at them if you haven't already looked at them. But Romans chapter 12... 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Ephesians chapter 4, and 1 Peter 4. Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 4, and 1 Peter 4 are really the primary passages in the New Testament, in the Bible, that give us the specific list 
of spiritual gifts. Now, I told you before, I'm not so sure that those lists are, are intended to be exhaustive. That God's saying, okay, here's every one of them in a list. But they're what we have, and so let's start with them. And the ones we're talking about today, as I said, are serving gifts. Now, I want you to understand as we look at these gifts, these gifts are typically more behind-the-scenes kind of stuff. And it's interesting to recognize also that that really to some extent, even though some people are gifted maybe specifically in some of these special ways, to some extent, the gifts we're looking at today should show up in some measure in every Christian's life. So let's look at the first one. And we're going to, again, reference several passages. Just write them down and later you can go back and look at them. The first one I'll read from them is Romans 12, 7. Romans 12, it starts out in verse 6. It says, listen, since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each one of us is to exercise them accordingly. Again, just a reminder, if God has given us these kind of things, use them. And then he starts to give us a list. And in verse 7, we're going to start with the first one. The first one we're going to start with is service. He says, if God has gifted you with service, then exercise it in your serving. We could call this the gift of serving, or we could translate it the gift of ministry. And I don't prefer to call it ministry because then that makes us start thinking that, that there's only one group of people who does ministry. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that to some degree all of us are ministers, all of us are servants. And originally this word, though, that's talking about the gift here, had the idea of waiting on tables had the idea of being a, a, a server for tables that, we, that people are eating at. It's the word that maybe you've heard the word in church before. If you've been to church before, you've heard the word deacon. And certainly deacons should have the spiritual gift of serving other people. But it's not just limited to deacons and their wives. While in some sense all of us should be ministering to others, some people are especially gifted in this way. Have you ever noticed that? Have you ever said about somebody, that person is just a what? They're just a servant. I mean, you can just tell about their life. They have no problem just kind of putting an apron around their, around their waist and just going to work to help other people. One commentator calls it practical service. It's just people meeting needs in the name of Christ in the lives of other people. There's another, some people think it might be another gift, but I think it's probably closely related, maybe even just a different way of saying the same thing in 1 Corinthians 12, 28. It's called the gift of helps. It means to give assistance or to provide aid to someone, to help somebody. It means to take a burden off someone else and to place it upon yourself. Acts chapter 20, verse 35, you can write that verse down, but it says, Paul told the Ephesian elders, In everything I showed you that by working hard in this manner, you must help the weak, you must give aid or assist the weak, and remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he himself said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. So again, is this uh, the same gift or two different gifts? I think that they could be slightly distinguished, but I think probably they're describing the same gift. God gives some people the desire and the ability to bring help or assistance to the lives of others. Have you ever noticed that in yourself? There are some people that are gifted in that way. Maybe God's affirming that in you. Maybe you just have a desire when someone is in need to minister or to serve them and help them with that need. There's two more potential gifts that are probably distinct from what we're talking about, but closely connected. And the next one is mercy. Showing mercy is listed separately in Romans chapter 12 and verse 8. It says, he who shows mercy should show it with cheerfulness. So Paul probably is distinguishing this from the serving. 
But the gift of mercy means I like to alleviate the pain or the hurt of other people. Is that something that you enjoy doing? This is a person who desires to comfort people, to minister or help people when they're hurting or down. Would somebody describe your life as real compassionate? You're a real compassionate person. Are you the kind of person that is drawn to things like visiting nursing homes or maybe doing hospital when somebody's in the hospital going to see that person or being there for people in their times of need or maybe when somebody's struggling or maybe somebody had a baby, you're the kind of person that likes to cook meals for people like that? Reaching out to people. I hear some affirmation there already. Maybe Maybe you're extremely concerned about the poor. Isn't that something that God's concerned about? Yes. You have the gift of mercy. That is something that you see, that you recognize, that's a burden for you, that you, that you want to help meet that need. And in Romans 12, 8, the Bible says, if you are gifted in that way, you should do it cheerfully. You should do it with joy. In fact, the word that's used there is the word that we get our word hilarious from. <laughs> that, the Bible says it, you don't let it get you down because a person who serves people who are in need can get overwhelmed, can't they? They can begin taking that upon themselves and they can really drag them down. But the Bible says, look, your work is not going to be very glorious and you're going you're gonna to have some challenging situations and some people who are really hurting and, and your ministry may go unnoticed. You may visit a lot of hospital rooms and nobody ever knows that you did that. But the Bible tells us, don't let the ministry get you down. Serve the Lord with gladness. Some people also add the gift here of hospitality. Now, I have to tell you, actually, this is not as clearly signified as a spiritual gift in these passages, but it is hinted at. In Romans chapter 12, just a few verses down from what we've been reading in verse 13, he tells us to practice hospitality. In 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 9, just before talking about uh, the different types of spiritual gifts... 1 Peter 4, verse 9, let me get there. It says, be hospitable to one another without complaint. Now, whether hospitality should be a separate spiritual gift or not, it is clearly a specific type of serving. So it doesn't really matter. But I will tell you this, it doesn't really matter if it's a specific spiritual gift or not. It's it's at least a part of serving, if not its own specific giftedness. But I will tell you this, according to the Old Testament, the New Testament, We need to understand that hospitality is very important to God. In fact, can I just tell you what one person said about Christianity? Somebody said Christianity is the religion of the open hand, of the open heart, and of the open door. Amen? When God comes into our life, He makes us want to give to others. He makes us want to welcome Him and others into our life to open up our heart, to open up our lives, to open up our homes even to other people. As I'm sharing some of these ways of serving, whether it's all under serving or whether these are specific categories, it doesn't really matter. What we're just doing is we're noticing some of the ways that God gifts people, some of the tendencies that God puts in people. You remember we talked about last week, uh, a lot of people like to take spiritual gifts and say, okay, I got this one, I got that one, I got that one. I don't really see God working so much that way. It's good for you to know The basic idea of kind of how God's put you together, but don't get so specific that you can't allow God to put some nuance to it. And here's the way that somebody after the first service last week, they said, you know, I kind of see it like you go to the hardware store and you say, I'm looking for blue. Okay, well, there's like 2,000 blues, right? And so let's start with a base color. That's what we're doing. We're taking the bases, but you know what they do? They take a little drop of this. Okay, that changed the color a little bit. They took a little drop of this. That changed the little color. And you are your own unique uh, 
special concoction, if you want to put it that way. God just takes all those little pieces. And so maybe you have a general sense. That's what we're doing here. as a general sense of how God works in and through people's lives. Can I tell you something, though? If you're sensing that some of the things that I've talked about already today are some of the things that God has gifted you to do, can I tell you I am grateful to God for you? Especially having become a pastor, I've learned that these people are critical to the body of Christ. Your ministry and the ones that we're going to mention in this message may not be as visible, but without you, the sidewalks would have been icy this morning. Without you, did you know, I bet not many people knew this, but did you know that our church sign, the lights, the bulbs had blown out in the church sign? For the first time in five years, those were good lights. They lasted for five years, but they went out. You know what? Lots of people probably noticed that, but some people said, we need to change those light bulbs. And you know what? Yesterday, you know what's so neat? While I was in here sharing about our church family and, and introducing some people to discovering new hope and helping them to discover whether God wants them to become a part of this church family, while I was doing that, they were out there changing bulbs in a sign. Now, is that significant? Yes, it is. What does a sign say to people? Well, anytime I drive by a church sign that's in disrepair, you know what it says to me? They must not care too much about what they're doing. If that's the sign, that's the symbol of what they're doing. You know what? It speaks to people, doesn't it? You know what else it does? If people drive, drive by a sign, and what was on that sign? The times of our services. If somebody drove by in the middle of the night and said, boy, I really need to check out that church sometime. I wish I knew what time they were open, but the bulbs were blown, then that person may not have ever even come today to hear me share to minute, for us to be able to minister to them, to hear us worship and to be involved in what God's doing. If without these kind of people, the death of a family member would be unbearable, wouldn't they? We need people of mercy. We need people who serve. We need people who minister to other people. And that's a passion for them. Without these people, many of us would probably never learn to open up our homes to other people. Some of us don't think about that, but some of us are driven to that. Some of us just naturally do that. And you speak to us. You show us that that's some of the things we ought to be doing. You know what? We could have a great message, but with people like this, that message would probably not get out very effectively. What do people say? It's not so much that people want to know uh, how much you, what is that? That people care so much about what you know, but they want to know how much you care. Amen? These kind of people help us. And may I say something to you? God sees your labor of love. If you're that kind of person, God knows all that work that you're doing for His name. To some extent or another, I believe all those that we just talked about, whether they're separate or not, are probably related to that serving gift. But, but the fact is, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about serving gifts. That's the broad category we're putting these in. So let's look at another one here. 1 Corinthians 12, 9 also talks about faith. Now, all of us should have faith. Amen? We need to put our faith and our trust in Jesus Christ. As I said earlier, our walk with God is based upon faith. That's where it starts, and that's where it continues. We start by trusting in Christ, and then on a daily basis, we walk by faith every day. Did you know, in fact, that we don't have an option about whether we will walk by faith or not? The Bible says in Romans 14, 23, that whatever is not of faith, is sin. Did you realize that? The Bible says that whatever is in my life that I could not put in the category of trusting God for is sin. That's pretty serious, isn't it? I need to be trusting and depending upon God every day. 
So God wants all of us to have faith, but a person with a gift of faith, I love these people. A person who's really been given a measure, an extra measure, we might say, of this, of the ability to trust God to do only what God can do. These people serve a big God. Amen? God does not have the limitations that many of us put upon Him. These people believe that God can do anything. They have the audacity to believe that. (laughs) Throughout history, amazing things have happened because of some people's great faith. Many people's forever has been changed because one person trusted God for something. Many people have had impossible situations turned around their life. Did you know that even countries that used to be closed to God's message have been opened up because a few people decided if God wanted to, it could happen. And I'm asking Him to do it. Isn't that amazing? We don't have time to recount all the stories, but let me just mention a few that you can go look up and chase down their story. People like Hudson Taylor in China. People like George Mueller and his orphanages and God provided in amazing ways because he prayed and asked God and believed that God could do it. Read uh, Hebrews chapter 11. It's not the uh, great hall of fame, it's the great hall of faith. It tells us here some great men and women of faith that trusted God. By faith it says they did this. By faith they did that. We need more people like this in our church. We need more people like this in our lives. Now, I know you practical people are out there, and I know you're saying, I know we need to trust God and everything, but there's a difference between faith and presumption. Well, I know that we need people with discernment. We're going to talk about that in just a minute. We need people to balance out the big dreamers a little bit, okay? But when you study the kind of God we know and serve, can I just say to you, my sense is, we ought to mess up more on presumption side than we do. And you know what? I believe if we trusted God for more, we might be surprised that it wasn't as presumptuous as we thought. In fact, we might be surprised that God did what we trust Him for and that we're amazed at ourselves that we didn't trust Him for more. Amen? Now, you faith people out there, give me some amens because I know you're shaking your head. We ought to believe God for more. And these people remind us of that they remind us of matthew 17 verse 20 the bible tells us if we had faith just little itty bitty tiny faith like the faith of a the size of a mustard seed which was the tiniest of seeds if we believe god just for a little bit the unbelievable could happen in our lives are you that kind of person can you trust god for great things today (laughs) do you get kind of mad because our budget is not higher Do you get upset because our planning team is not trusting God for not just anywhere in the county or anywhere in Queensbury, but you know what? My God could put us right on Quaker Road. My God could put us, you know what? But don't you know they're asking $1.5 million for the same? My God could do it. That's what a person of faith says. Now, again, we just need to know God wants us to. But once we know He wants us to, a person of faith says, so He can. End of the story. You know what these people believe? (laughs) Do you know they believe that the world could be changed through New Hope Community Church? They believe that. You believe that. They believe that God could do something significant in this world through this little group of people. They believe that. And you know what? They draw us to believe that too, don't they? 
We see through their eyes. We see Jesus coming out. We see God calling us to trust Him for more than many of us would expect from Him. You know what one great person said? They said this, expect great things from God and attempt great things for God. That's the way we ought to live our lives. Has God given you a great measure of faith? Are you one of the people that we need to hear from to trust God? We need you to be active in the body of Christ. Well, let's go back to Romans 12, 8 for a second to look at another gift. Some people have the gift of giving. Here again, this is something that all of us should live out to some extent. But apparently, God gives some people a special measure, a drive, an ability, a love for giving. And can I just say to you, they really have an understanding of the heart of God. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says God so loved the world that He gave. And you know what He gave? He gave His only begotten Son, His one and only Son, that whoever puts their trust in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. God is a giving kind of God. People who like to give are really close to the heartbeat of God. You know, isn't that what we're learning? God gives spiritual what? He gives spiritual gifts. He, and, and we've been learning that, that much of this gifted thing is based on grace. The word grace is used to describe these gifts. It's a favor God does for us. He wants us to enjoy the opportunity of being involved with Him. He hands these out to us because He loves us. He is a giving kind of God. And the Bible says that a person with this kind of gift should exercise it, <clears throat> the New American Standard says, with liberality. And that's a good word, but I think it's probably better to translate it with simplicity. It's a little hard to translate that word into English, but I think it means with sincerity or with the right motives. A person who is a true giver has no other motivation except to give. They don't care for anybody else to know about it. In fact, I found out that a giver many times doesn't really want anybody to find out about it, or at least no more than are necessary. Somebody will say, well, I want to bless somebody with a love gift. And they say, I don't want anybody to know about it. I say, it's too late. You told me. And then they'll say, but I don't want anybody else to know. Well, our counters have to count the, the money if you're going to turn it in. Well, okay, I don't want anybody. Well, our treasurer will have to write the check. Okay, but I don't want anybody else to know that. Okay, we'll keep it confidential. But you see their heart? Their heart is, I don't want any credit for this. I don't want any awards. I just want to give. I'm not looking for anything else. Now, as receivers of gifts, we should always be willing to show our gratitude to God and to other people for blessings we receive. But as a giver, this person is saying, I don't need that. I'm not looking for that. It can be translated as simple kindness. They just wanted to do it out of the goodness of their heart. When we think about giving, we usually think about money, but it's not just money. I believe it goes beyond that. This person just has a heart to give, whether it's their time, whether it's their talents, their treasures, they want to give to other people. Again, can I just say to you, if this is you, what a blessing you are to the body of Christ. Listen, friend, nobody knew that last week you wrote that check as a love gift to somebody else. Nobody knew about that. Even the person who received it did not know you were the one who gave it. But because of you, a need was met. And you know what? I can tell you, many times people tell me, I don't know who gave it, but I'm thanking God. Who are they thanking? They're thanking God for providing through that person. What a blessing it is when you have a need in your life and somebody comes along and they provide that need. And what a blessing it is for me to see as a pastor, that person doesn't want any credit. All they wanted to do was thank God because He provided through you. 
I cannot tell you how many times in my own life and in the history of this church, I wasn't sure where the resources were going to come from. I wasn't sure how ministries were going to continue on. But God spoke to one of his servants. They listened to him. They had a heart to give and thank God for people like that. Amen? Because behind the scenes, you didn't know that there was a need. You didn't know that there might be a struggle. But God provided through these people because they wanted to give. Our human nature wants to do what? It wants to keep. <laughs> it wants to receive. <laughs> you know, I got it. I'm keeping it. I'm using it. These people teach us that the heart of God is to release, not to hold on to, but to give back so that others might be blessed. The final gift we're going to consider today in these serving gifts is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 10. 1 Corinthians 12, 10 says that God gives some people the gift of discernment. Now, I don't want to spook you out here, okay? But actually, 1 Corinthians 12, 10 says, He gives some people the gift of distinguishing or discerning spirits. And you're going, do-do-do-do, okay. Who's got that one? All right. Well, don't let that scare you. If I can simplify it for you, I think it would be accurate to say that God gifts some people with the real ability to sense what is from Him and what is not from Him. God gives some people with the ability to have a sense of what is true and what is not, what is right and what is wrong. These people help us when decisions need to be made. These people help us when there's a conflict between two people. They help us to they have the ability to pick out what is right, what is wrong, what is true and what is not. God's just giving them a real sense about things that they can take what's helpful in a situation and they can discard the things that are not. Aren't you glad for people around you who have good discernment? Aren't you glad for people who help you in making decisions? Aren't you glad for people that, that all the voices... I mean, we live in a world today where we have more voices than ever before. Don't you get, doesn't your ears get tired? All the people telling you, you should do this, or you should do that, or you should come in this direction. How do you discern? How do you know which way to go? Isn't it nice to have people around you who can help you with that? You know, it's neat in going through this. Uh, you know, I've studied spiritual gifts before, but every time you go back to God's Word, it's kind of like, you know, you find the Bible says uh, the, the man that's, that walks with the Lord finds new treasures and he, and he pulls out old ones too. And as I've gone through this, God's just reminded me of some things. You know, I was talking about faith earlier. You've heard me share there's two people in my life who've kind of been spiritual mentors for me. And I thought about this, you know, even though both of them have a measure of both, I would say one of them probably is especially gifted with faith. The other is probably gifted with discernment. And God uses both to help me. You know what God does does to the man that, that trusts God greatly? He helps me to believe that God could do it. He challenges me. He encourages me with that. But the other person says, well, let's think about it also. <laughs> let's think about some of the details. Let's consider it carefully. Don't we need both of those people? I need somebody to say to me, charge that hill. We can do it. Amen? But I also need people to say, well, all right. Well, let's think about how to get there. Let's think about some of the obstacles that might come. Let's think, is this the hill God wants us to charge? And if it is, then the faith person says, okay. Let's go. I'm so grateful for different kinds of people that God uses in different kinds of ways. Now, I do need to share with you, if you have a measure of this gift of discernment, don't take it too far, okay? You're not the voice of God. 
It's back to that. Remember we talked about last week, the, the issue of God told me. Don't you just love when people walked up to you and say, God told me, and it's always about you. It's not about them. God told me that you, this is not some secret power that we have to turn to some people for. It's just an extra measure of the ability to sense what is right. If you've been given that gift, you don't have to announce it to everybody. People will know. They will ask you for advice. They will come to you. But when they come to you, they don't have to listen to you. You're not always right. Be careful that you don't become uh, condescending or judgmental or proud or, or try to be a mind reader. God's given me the gift of discernment, so obviously I'm sensing that you're... What? Don't be trying to always figure things out. Just let God speak through you when He wants to. Let Him use you as a blessing. But nobody is uh, indispensable, are they? We need every part of the body to be working. Isn't this an awesome picture that we're seeing? I mean, I think more than ever before, than when I've studied these things before, God is just bringing out to me the picture of what He's trying to say. God wants to be known to this world. Would you worship Him for that this morning? Where would you be at today if God hadn't made Himself known? If God had not shown Himself to you, if God had not revealed to you His plan for you, His love for you, His care for you, His desire to rescue you from your sins, the the provision that He's made through Christ, if He had not told you that, where would you be today? Aren't you glad that we serve a God that wants to make Himself known? The truth would be true whether we knew it or not, right? I mean, if you break the law, they don't say, were you aware of this ordinance? It's usually, you broke the law, right? Aren't you glad that God sent out a memo? Hey, I want you to know what's true. And even the problems in the memo that we would run into, God has made provision and He showed us those too. We need a Savior to wash our sins away, to come into our heart, to start life in us, life that will last forever. And it doesn't end there. He says, hey, that's just when the good stuff starts. When that happens, I want to plug you in. I want to connect you with my people because you need some things from them that are not really in you that much and they need some things from you that may not be in them that much. It always puzzles me when people say, I'm a Christian, why don't I have to go to church? What kind of walk with God is that? It's pretty limited, isn't it? Because I don't see all of God that He wants to show of Himself. Because there are parts of you that will not be evident unless I'm around you. It's not going to come out of me. I'm not gifted in all the ways. God hasn't given me all the things, all the ways that He works through you. I need you and you need me. Today, as we've looked at some of the specifics, maybe God's affirming some things in you. Isn't that neat? As I said last time, on some of these gifts, when I would mention them, some of you would be going... And the others are like, and then I mentioned another one, and somebody, and somebody, you know what that means? Maybe you got it. Maybe it's in you. You know what? Uh, I share with my Bible study class this morning. If the gift, if if you have something in your life that you think that anybody, everybody, obviously knows how to do, then that might be your giftedness. Because many times, we just think it's no big deal. We just think this is what everybody does. But guess what? As you look around, not everybody does what you do. Not everybody sees what you see. Maybe God has gifted you with a special measure of that, and we need you to be showing that in this place.
Is God affirming that in you today? Maybe you've never heard of spiritual gifts before. You're just beginning to kind of process this, but would you just praise God that He's a God that has a special plan for you? He's not a cookie-cutter God. He gives us some basic parameters to work from, but He's not a cookie-cutter God. He, you might be a blue, you might be a yellow, you might be a red, but when He puts that little hint of this and that little hint of that, you're your own unique color, your own tint unlike anybody else. And maybe God's wanting to develop that in you this morning. Whatever God's saying to you, would you worship Him? Would you respond to Him? To receive Him as your Savior? To move forward in your walk with Christ? To grow a little bit? Or maybe, you know what? The fact of the matter is, you know it. You've got enough information. God's affirmed it through others. You've heard it through His Word. His Spirit is speaking to your heart about this. You need to start using it. Amen? Let others be blessed by the things that God has entrusted to you. One day, I'm going to have to give an account to God. Robbie, first of all, did you know me personally? And I thank God that at 12 years old, I answered that question. Yes, I do, Jesus. Okay, number two, welcome to heaven. But number two, what did you do with what I gave you? And one of the biggest gifts he's given us is spiritual gifts. What are you doing to glorify God through your life? That will not be the decision about whether you go to heaven or not. But it is going to be important to God because he gave you those things so that he might be made known to the people around you. Are you using them? Let's pray together.